Walsh, that certainly didn't go to the required on the left. Amble was so clever, so good. And Murphy is it. What a goal. What the Blues, the young and the old together. The ground and there it is. Paulson, McGovern again. Oh, yes. This to give Carlton the lead. G'day Blue Baggers and welcome to this week's edition of the Blues Footy Podcast. Your host Jed Zetzer here alongside Harrison Hymans has... Where do we even start? Oh, well, that was probably performance, disappointment, expectation-wise, our worst loss in the David since David Teague's taken the reins, I reckon. That was just an absolute dagger last night. Because of the one quarter, do you reckon? Well, or was I, it, was it, was it more I, than that? I, I can't stop thinking of the fact that GWS kicked two goals in three quarters, and then when the game's there to be won, they kicked three goals in five minutes. I can't stop thinking about that. You know, we mm. knew at three-quarter time they were going to come. Naturally, they were going to come. Yeah. And for us... We can set three goals in five minutes, all over the back. It was just... Uh, and to kick one goal nine after quarter time. I think the third quarter, we dominated. Dominated and just didn't hit them on the scoreboard. And like I thought we were pretty lucky to be... We were, Actually, we weren't. We were definitely lucky to be ahead at quarter time. Because yeah, I thought yeah. we were well beaten on most areas. And we managed to kick four goals, so like one goal six or whatever it yeah. was. So we were very lucky in that regard. And just to not you know, take advantage of that lead yeah. in a low-scoring game. Especially going into the final quarter, three goals up. I know. In a low... Like, they had to double their score to win. And they did it in five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And that's ridiculous. As in... Yeah. There's, it, there was... Yeah, I don't even know what to say. That it, it was almost just an obliteration, really. They caved. They really caved. I know, it was just so disappointing. Like two weeks in a row, your two biggest games of the year, you know, in you know, where a result would have almost elevated back in elevated us back into the Huns to, you know, mm. just not put up anything after half time in both games is ridiculous. I think it's concerning in that final quarter, I don't think GWS even had any structure. There was no structure. They just went they played freely. They, they just flipped the magnets. Himmelberg went back. Whitfield went forward. Green went in the middle. They flipped it all. Yeah, they just they just went off instinct. Yeah, they really. went the Hail Mary, GWS. They and... they did what they wanted to do and it worked. I mean, they they thought, well, look, this we're getting beaten structurally. They were outcoached probably for the first three quarters. Yeah. I'd oh. say, I mean, I'd say so. I think, yeah, I think, in, I'm not sure if they were I think out... we were set up better. I'm not sure if they were outcoached, but they probably were like... Um, feeling the extent of playing such a tall team, to be honest. But I think as well, just behind the ball, we set up much better than they did, especially that third quarter. Because that third quarter, we really did dominate. Yeah, we had repeat entries and just just, came to no avail. Yeah, we we gained nothing from it. There was no scoreboard pressure mounting on GWS, and they could have kicked... I mean, you got to look at H. So H has probably had a really good game in terms of his contestant marking movement around the ground but at the end of the day he's kicked one goal yeah and, and he missed, missed four other shots he's missed some set shots from the same spot which you'd expect him to kick oh, 
It's so disappointing. It is. Let's bring in our guest for the week. Well, it's time now to introduce our special guest for the show this week. He's a contributor at the Inner Sanctum and he's spent some time in the recruiting department at both Fremantle and Williamstown. John O'Baruch, welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. Thanks, boys. It's fantastic to be back here. I'm, I'm sure we're all feeling pretty flat this morning, but what can you do? They, they certainly put you through the ringer watching this footy team and... We saw every bit of it again last night. Yeah, oh, just an abs- just so disappointing are the words that come to my mind um, first and foremost. What were your initial reactions straight after the final siren? Was it because I was more concerned about just how we just kind of collapsed when their onslaught came? Was it more that five minutes at the start of the fourth quarter that did your head in, or was it just more the f- our inability to score after quarter time for you? I think it was more the fact that we just had another one of those patches because you look at the fact that we only scored one goal eight after quarter time and you'd say that in that second quarter and that third quarter, we had the ball locked in our half for a big part of, for a big part of the ground and we, for a big part of the game and we just could not score. We had three or four shots in the second quarter which could have really put the game to bed and we were just absolutely pressing a lot in that third quarter but only yielded a couple of behinds as well and you know the parts of the game I'm talking about as well and it's happened so many times this year where we have 10 minutes where our pressure goes through the roof yet we consistently fail to capitalise on the scoreboard and it's cost us again last night and it's cost us a number of times throughout the year where we've had all the play and we're applying all the good forward pressure and tackling in the in the world, and it looks fantastic. We just cannot hit it where it hurts, and ultimately, that's what's come back to bite us. No, you're right, and the exact same thing happened in the first ten to fifteen minutes against Collingwood after halftime, where we just had you know repeat stoppages. We were having a crack, you know, we were going, and we just couldn't translate we any score. And I think you know, last night, you know, Mackay missed a few shots, McGovern missed a shot, um, the Ruckman. I don't, I don't want to see him kick for goal again. It's just... Harry Mackay could have been the difference last night. 100%. That could have been Harry Mackay's statement in terms he of like... Could, he could have announced himself again and he had a week against the Gold Coast where, okay, yeah, two four. I understand, you know, conditions were slippery, but there were seven key forwards on the ground last night. He was the most likely up until Jake Riccardi announced himself again in that fourth quarter. But he was the one that was clunking contested marks. It was the best I've seen him mark the ball for a long time, Harry Mackay. But, and we'll touch on this later, but goal kicking overall at this football club has become such an issue, and especially in second halves of games, and it's why we're getting run over. We have scored 13 goals, 42 in second halves in our last seven games. It's the biggest Wow, 13 goals, 42. 13 goals, 42. And until we rectify that, am I going to touch on it later, boys? I reckon we may as well touch on it now because he was on the front bar straight after our game just to run salt, just to rub a bit of salt into the wound, Sav Rocker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so for those who don't know, Sav Rocker was one of the first coaches let go by the club when the COVID period hit. And it, it just, over recent weeks, it's just mind-boggling you know when you have to choose your footy department of 25 and you go okay what are our biggest weaknesses here you look through 
all the numbers last year and you look through all the numbers again this year, what's our biggest Achilles heel? It's definitely goal kicking. And you look at most of our players, a lot of them have kicked, you know, even more behind us in goals this year. Like Harry Mackay's kicked 12 goals, 12. Eddie Betts, 13, 11. Jack Martin, 12, 11. Levi, Levi Casbolt's winning our goal kicking currently. And unless you count all the out on the fools, who's only got about six misses for the year. It's still such a big issue. And I, for the life of me, boys, I cannot understand why they decided to let him go. I understand the development and you need the development coaches in a young group. But consider how bad goal kicking is around the league at the moment. This is the one area that really needs addressing and it needs addressing again in the offseason. It does. It does. It's a massive issue. And I think as well... Something that's hurting us is we're not putting ourselves in the best position possible before we take a shot on goal. We've seen a lot of players... Something there that I've also noticed, boys, is that find me another team around the league that gets the ball inside 50 as much as we do, and they just stuff around with it, you know, constantly trying to hand it off to someone in in, in a better position and they get put under pressure. You know, last night you had... Murphy yes. running into an open yes. goal, yes. trying to work out what foot. Okay, what foot am I going to kick this goal with? Just get it on the boot, boys. And for the last couple of weeks, when you know Ed Kerno, probably the most unlikely of goal kick- kickers because of his kicking, he's gotten the ball fifty out and has just had a ping. And you know, okay, he missed one against Collingwood, but the one against Gold Coast and of all the goals that game, that was the one that got me up and about. Which is like, you know what? Well done, Ed. Take the initiative yourself. Be the leader and actually say, you know what, I'm going to step up here. We need a goal. I'm going to kick the goal. And it's part of the reason why we've lauded Jack Nunes' ability to kick goals because he takes it upon himself and is like, I want the moment. And there are too many people in our side at the moment that are just unreliable unreliable goal kickers. Who, Who would you back to kick a goal to win a final for us at the moment? But you know what baffles me? It's that, as you mentioned... We sometimes, yes, we're too busy looking for the best option, but it's in the moments where there's not, a, there's not a lot of space that we do that. You know, you'll be going inside 50 and it'll be pretty congested. And as soon as a player gets a little bit of space, instead of going for goal, they try to give it off to someone else. And then when you've got all the space, when you see players, you know, blazing through the middle, there's heaps of space going forward, there's free players... A bit like Cunningham against, was it Port Adelaide when he missed that goal and he had bets yeah, free? Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's instances like that where players are blazing in. I think Paulson did it last night and there's a free option inside 50 or there's some, you know, there's some space. That's when they blaze away and take a silly shot. But when there isn't well, space, they won't that, take the shot. In, in, in the Paulson case, you know, he could see that there were, you know, num- plenty of numbers ahead of the ball, maybe one or two free option, but it would have taken, you know, a one in eight kick and considering the way that Paulson's been kicking the ball since he's come back in it's been slightly better but you still I don't know you probably still wouldn't back in to hit him in in that instance you're more than you know okay and you have the license to take that flying shot from 45 out yeah it's an interesting I I don't know I just just, just think the decision making I mean let's be honest our entries inside 50 last night Horrible. They couldn't Horrible. have been worse. They had, they Horrible. kicked one goal, one goal from forty-two entries inside if, if, fifty. If, if I was coaching Carlton, the entire 
build up to this Greater Western Sydney game. There should have been a big picture of Nick Haynes in the change room. Yeah. With the instruction not the game. to kick it to Nick Haynes. You said it before the he game. He was like a net last night. How many marks did he... He took eight marks, but he, just, he, had, he had 21 possessions. He just... He got everything last night, Haynes. And they're, they're all rebounding possessions. I was just saying with Darcy Moore last week. Yeah. How many times do we just put it on his head and... You know, I can understand what the coaches want to do and be that point of difference and play the three tall forwards. But surely if you want to do that, you say to either, you know, okay, hurry, you're, you're our deepest forward. You are, you're not going within, you're not going anywhere outside 30 metres from goal. We've got Mitch McGovern and Levi who can push up to the wings and take, you know, that get out clunk mark and then they can get it in. And the instruction to the midfield is don't just go for the, Dinky high up and under in the shallow entry because Haynes, Moore, McGovern, any good centre back will just cut that off every single time. You've got to get it in forward. And you saw the way that Harry Mackay was marking the ball last night. He's, he's going to take it and he'll kick it from straight in front. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just so frustrating how we kind of just lose a bit of structure ahead of the ball. But I think going into last night, our biggest worry was structure behind the footy, given GWS brought yeah. the extra tall in, mm-hmm. and we obviously lost Plowman. Um, and I think oh, like, they didn't have a heap of opportunities, but I think we did well in a sense to get as many numbers back as possible to get an out number. Because I think, you know, early Doherty looked a bit uncomfortable having to play as a pure one-on-one at, at one point. I actually thought Doherty wasn't that bad. Oh, no, I thought Doherty played yeah, well last I, night. I thought he played well. But I'm just saying early on, he looked yeah. a bit uncomfortable. Held up really, really well for three quarters. You know, bar, barring that one moment from Liam Jones, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit earlier, I actually thought the defence was very good for most of the game and fell apart when, you know, the going got tough and they got a bit of, bit of a run on. But Jacob Wiedering was un- outstanding, you know, Liam Jones was, you know, very good. And apart from their bad kicking, our defence in that first half was fantastic. And they couldn't really penetrate everything. Williamson, I thought, was one of the better players on the ground. And you'll probably probably see, we'll talk about him when we get to the votes, most probably. But even so, I thought the defensive group was holding up pretty well. Yeah, it was. I, I, yeah, I thought the defensive group did hold up well. But I thought one player in particular really hurt us last night, and it was the mm. performance of Sam Petrovsky Seaton. There was a lot of big moments. There was a lot of big moments in the game where Samo committed himself far too up the ground and left his player out the back. We saw it with their goal when I think it was Bobby Hill kicked their goal. Yeah. That yeah. came from Petrovsky Seaton leaving his man out the back. I don't know, boys. I'm losing patience. With Samo, I'm not for one minute saying that he's a bad player or anything, but right now he's horribly out of form. He was taken out of the team and brought straight back in. He didn't play a scrap match. He was brought straight back in, so I don't think he was dropped. He probably was genuinely managed. Just needed a you know a week off. Had a bit of a shoulder niggle, but yeah, he's he's not working at the moment. The position that he's playing in, it's not working. I know the club want to persist with it, and we spoke to Dale Amos, was it last week, and he said that Samo would eventually probably get more midfield minutes down the line, but yeah, I'm I'm losing patience. I don't know how He's much... He's horribly out of form. I, There's no I other don't way know to put it. how much longer I can watch Carlton with Samo in that position, because last night it was just too costly. But do we think... 
Like, for me, the whole argument with Sam Petrovsky seen him playing in the midfield... Well, I'm not he, even saying he, he has to play in the midfield. I, know, because, I, don't, I don't think he'd be because he Because he played there for his first 65 games. Do you, it's not like we haven't seen yeah, him there. I, we've, I, seen, I, we've seen it. I think we, it's been trialled and tested to no avail. He had two excellent games in the midfield out of 65. Yeah. My, my, my biggest thing on all of this is we've listened to David Teague ever since he's taken over... And one of his coaching philosophies in Manchester has always been bring your strengths. I went back and I had a look at San Petrovsky Seedens, you know, under 18 and under 18s and profile. He was playing in that WA midfield in the national championships that year with the likes of Banfield, Powell Pepper, Fisher, Stasevich, Narkel, Bolton and Liam Baker. That was his midfield and Tim English was his ruckman. He captained his Claremont under-18 side to the flag and he actually played senior waffle footy at 16 years old in the midfield when he moved from Halls Creek. He, he for me, is far too talented to be playing off a half-back flank. He says he models his game on the likes of, you know, Sue Rioli and Jack Martin. So you've got one of them in the locker room next to you. Both of those players are midfielders who go forward. And, you know, if we saw from his first couple of years in the system, you know, his ability to duck in and out of traffic and, you know, he says he's got some explosive power coming out of stoppages and he has the ability to, to deliver on both feet. We both love his kicking. That's one of his strengths and that's one of the reasons why we fell in love with Samuel in our first couple of years. He's lost... I feel like he's lost his flair. Oh, no, there's no doubt about that. I, I don't know. I don't know what... He's, he's lost his flair and he's lost his creativity and I think it, it's so important in the game right now to have your best kickers delivering the ball inside 50 and we've spoken about it just before well I was going to say I was going to say because right now it's our entries inside 50 which let's be honest let's not beat around the bush they're letting us down well not only that they're pretty embarrassing our entries inside 50 are laughable at the moment and we saw it last night we saw it last week we see it every week, really, in the second half, and I think it's because uh, because in the first half, let's be honest, it's just naturally easier to score cheaper goals when the game, you know, gets deeper and it's up, you know, up in the air. Oh, there's definitely a lack of composure, a bit, you know, going forward with the ball. There's not, you know... Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, no. a, there's a massive lack of composure right now, and I sort of agree with Jono. They may as well... I mean, what have you got to lose? It's Petrovsky seeding right now is having you know, negative impact, move him up the ground, potentially use his ball use going inside 50, and you may see a different player. I mean, I don't know if I'd play him in the midfield because he's... I don't think he deserves well, to play in the midfield. Well, let's put it on him, though. But, we, but I'd we, play him on the flank. Well, if we chuck him back into the midfield or, you know, in that midfield group of six or seven that follows the ball, as in we're going to... We're kind of putting the ball back in his court and saying, okay, we're going to put you in a more comfortable position for you. And if you still can't perform in that... Natural habitat of yours, then like, what do you want? Uh, what are we going to do with you? Yeah, what do you want from I us? Think that, I think that's the best way to go for it. You have to put it back on him, and it's like, all right, Samo, there's three games to go. We're going to give you some time back up in the midfield around the ball. Bring your strengths. Bring to this team what makes you Sam Petrovsky seed and what made us take you at pick number six. This, this is Samo's fourth year, yeah? Yeah. This is Samo's fourth year, and he has played. Give me. One second. He's played seventy-seven games in four in four years, so he's hardly missed. I almost think 
He's missed three games. I mean, it's, here's here's my question. It's his fourth year. It's not like he's a young guy. He's played 77 well, that, games. Well, that's what I was going to say. This guy's played 80 games odd. Is he even? Can we even use that excuse that he's... You know, young and I know he's obviously young and developing. He, he, young he is. In terms of age, but is that an excuse terms, anymore? Young in terms of age, but in terms of you know experience and games at the level, you seventy-seven games doesn't lie to say you know that's enough to know oh. what you're to know what you're doing at the level. I'll give you an example. Tom Williamson, how many games has he played? He wouldn't have played more than thirty odd, maybe. I would. Williamson I would have played twenty-nine. So this is a guy who's played twenty nine, hasn't has had zero zero continuity whatsoever in his career due to injury, and he's come in this year, and you look at his development compared to Petrevsky Seden, who's in his fourth year, has played eighty games, hasn't had an injury once. Look at the difference in the in the pair. Look at one you, one is you, one is improving on a weekly the basis. In which Petrovsky Seden debuted for the club. Yep. They chucked him in. He, he did his calf, you know, a week before the JLT series and he got chucked in round one when he was bit off a 30-minute scratch match at Princess Park. And, you know, well done to the coaching staff then for backing him in, but surely in hindsight you look at that and you look at some other youngsters on our list now that have had their development slightly hindered by the program that was going on back then and... You'd have to say now that, okay, well, maybe they needed that apprenticeship. That's why we've seen Paddy Dow play in the reserves a long time this year. That's why we're still yet to see Lockie O'Brien this year. But I mean, I don't, are... I don't think Dow's, I don't, I don't think we're, we're, I don't think it's paying off with Dow. I don't think we can say, well, he's gone through the right development, you know, process and it's now paying off because. Well, he hasn't because he played almost every single game since he got to the club in, you know, dire a dire year for the Carlton Football Club to to debut in and have your first year as senior football having to front up in the midfield every single week as an eighteen year old against the men. And when you're not physically mature or mentally mature, it's gonna hinder you. So that's why I've been more than happy this year to see the likes of Dow and O'Brien and, you know, Stocker when he was up in the hub and Fisher and Bilp and those other young guys spend as much time as they are at reserves level because for so long we haven't had the environment where they can come in, build their games, bide their time and really press their case for a game at senior selection. Now that we've got those practices in place... It's going to hold us in good stead in the future. I'm not- it will. It will. I, I agree with you that it will. I just think... I just think we've already set some of these guys up to fail a bit. Because you, you know my stance on Paddy Dow. Paddy... And I tweeted about it after the game. And I actually thought I was going to cop more than I did, to be honest. But I think people are on the same page. He's just so not up to AFL standard. As we sit here right now, Paddy Dow should not be playing AFL football. There's no two ways about it. But as in, I don't, I don't think you can... I, I actually thought... I thought Samo was worse. No, he accepts Petrescu said and was worse last night. But in terms of a body, in in, in terms of, but without comparing Paddy Dow to anyone else, in terms of Paddy Dow's football output at the moment, it's it's not acceptable. But but last night, why? I'm just asking, having an open conversation. Why did he stand out to you more than others? What did he? No, no, he didn't stand out as being worse on the actual night than to others. But for me, I've been going on about Paddy Dow for a while, and last night just. 
did him no favours. It's you know, you know what I mean? If you're going to compare him to Petreski Seedon or McGovern or Casbolt last night, no, you know, so was... for him compared to someone like that one passage of play, Harrison, oh. that I think you're referencing, where you know he he did everything right and then he disposed of the ball. No, like, he, he, he can't he kick. Okay, so... off the boot. Yeah. He he cannot kick, as in that's the- he, no. So I agree, he can't kick. But when comparing him to someone like Murphy last night, who I thought was pretty average as well, what what stands out about Dow that makes you? Well, Murphy that- had ten more possessions. Firstly, Dow just doesn't get involved. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm just, as I'm, in, just I'm just and, asking and, and, the question. And I'm not saying that wasn't. I've seen Paddy Dow play significantly worse than that last night. He wasn't great last night. But this is just more. He only played sixty percent of the game last night, Harrison. Yeah, well, I know, but uh, actually, I was actually going to bring something up about you know time on ground and tanks. I've just because I've just got Sam Petreski's seed and stats up here. In he's he's only played had seven games out of seventy seven where he's played over eighty five percent of game time. Petreski seed and so. I, as in, so again, that comes back to my point in development and him playing almost every single game since he's come to the club. Has he had a chance in, to really work on his strengths and his tank in the middle of the training weeks and but in to be fair, when he's been asked to play every single week? To be fair, I don't think a lot of players would have over... You know, you'd have the KPPs that would spend, you know, over 85% time on ground. I think 80% is normal, no? Paddy Dow's only had two in his entire career where he's played over 80% as well. Yeah, so I don't. I think midfielders naturally don't. I think it's the, you know, your key defenders who'll spend oh, over 90% yeah, of the time on the but ground. I want these guys to be like Andrew Gaff. I know he's kind of in a league of his own. Andrew Gaff doesn't go off the ground. He plays yeah. 100. And you, I just want two-way runners that are just... Oh, let me look at Will Setterfield's numbers this year. So Will Setterfield's been hitting the 80s this year. He's had an 83, 82, 82, 85, 81. But it's just, for me, like, down Petreski said in especially, these are your picks, you know, three and six of your latest rebuild. And let's be honest, as in, I think it'd be pretty naive to not have any sort of doubts over them right now. It would, Yeah, no, there's definitely doubts. We're not writing them off, but there's significant doubts and almost concern oh, it is around con- their at, development. At, at the moment, as we sit here right now... You'd, you'd be saying to both of them that they're entering season 2021 with the most to prove heading into the year. I know there's likes of guys that haven't been on the park this year and they've got to show that, okay, can I still hold up at the level? But in terms of these guys and getting to the stage where they really have to kick on and prove that they're going to be an AFL-quality player, those two, those two for me are the ones that have the most approved next year. Just a quick yes or no. Do you think they'll both beat Carlton next year? Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because I think Carlton is sort of, sort of, you know, they'd be realising if they want to land all these targets that they've been linked with, you know, your Williams and your Papley, whoever else, probably going to have to end up giving someone up. And I mean, it's these big, big calls that you make trading away a young player in order to land some more established players. I think a lot of teams going through rebuilds do it. I know Hawthorne obviously traded away Ryan Burden to land Chad Wingard. You almost have to do that. You have to trade away one of your, you know, most promising young players to land a big fish. Well, and well, Carlton... And, and we've done it. And we trade... Port Adelaide and what they did, they traded away Wingard. Chad Wingard and... Jared Pollock, and they brought in the likes of Rosie Butters, Dersma, Bergman, who we haven't seen yet, and Georgie Artis, and 
every single one of them have made such an impact to what Port yeah. Adelaide has become this year. So yeah, you have to make those big moves. You have to. And, and Bolt was right. I think you were about to say we traded Kennedy for Judd. Oh, yeah, well, that's... Well, I was also going to say we traded Troy Menzel for Andrew Phillips, so... (laughs) (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, we did. We traded Menzel away, who at that point was our most promising youngster, and brought in five, and one of them was Plowman, who's still there playing a really important role. But I'm glad you brought up the Kennedy trade, because at that point in time, Carlson had to do it. And I know it's a bit of a different circumstance, because Carlton were on their knees, best player in the entire competition wants to come to Carlton, you've got to just do it. But I genuinely think if Carlson had their time again, they'd do the exact same thing. Oh, 100%. Because 100%. let's be honest as well, Josh Kennedy had done nothing at his time at the club and it looked was, almost... I remember going to the footy. He had hands like concrete at yeah, Carlton. Yeah, it just... He just looked... There were no signs. There no. were no signs. And I mean, I'm so happy for him that he's had oh, the he's career a, he's, he's a had. superstar. He's, yeah, he's an absolute superstar and a le- almost a legend. He's a West Coast champion. He just yeah. has to remember where he came from. He's yeah. one of the all-time great players at that club. Oh, yeah. He's their leading goal kicker. He's so, a premiership player. So the he's... point I'm making is that there is a chance we'll have to part ways with one of our young players in order to land the big fish. It, it's going to happen. Undoubtedly, it's going to happen. You always have to... If you want to get something, you're going to have to give something 90% of the time. I just hope... I just hope they don't trade the wrong one. I don't. I. I mean, we've heard. We heard well, the rumors. It, it, it's going to come down to Dow Petrovsky seat in the March Bank. Let's not I, beat around I the remember bush. we it's heard going to be earlier one of the in the year. We heard earlier in the year the rumors about Zach Fisher. And what would do my head in is if they traded away someone like a Zach Fisher yeah. and kept the other guys. That would because. I, I think I'd if be any if any Zach Fisher. any Zach Fisher knockers just have to look at his month. Since he's come back into the team, he's barely put a foot wrong. Yeah, Zach he wasn't weak. He wasn't great last night, but he's. I think he's having a pretty good year. His chemistry with Eddie Betts is just—it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. We saw it against the Gold Coast. Their chemistry, the way they work together and intertwine in our forward line—it's unbelievable. Yeah. Even saw in some flashes last night. I know it was an off night for both of those guys, but there were some moments when we were streaming forward, and I think it was in the first quarter where you know. Fisher tried to throw out a handbars to Betts and he just missed him. And, you know, they're really working well. And I'm sure you guys have had this discussion with Jason midweek on your list analysis in terms of, you know, when it comes to the veterans and who to keep and who, who to tap on the shoulder maybe. But it's the stuff like that that you see Fisher learning off an Eddie Betts type and you hope that... Jack Martin's tapping into that and some of the other young forwards, you know, like a Honey, a Phillips, uh, maybe even a Matt Owies are going to tap into that type of knowledge and everything that Eddie Betts has to bring. And you're just thinking, well, maybe it's worth ha- keeping Eddie for one more year. Okay, yeah, he might only oh, play definitely the is. games. Yeah. Can we talk about can we talk about the coach and how yeah. he well, went last night? Yeah, let's do the... Let's, let's rate T. So... 15 points up, three-quarter time. We've ended up going down by about nine points, was it? I don't know. I, yeah, something I, like that. I get very... I don't even look at the score. When, when I had the old walk-off siren. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the siren goes, you walk off. You don't think about it. It was you like I was walking out of work. I picked my... Siren goes, TV's off. Just yeah. Computer <laughs> under my arm, off we go. Yeah. See, see, you, see you tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Now, Teague, Jono, let's start off with you. You know, what could Teague have done better last night? What did he do well? And give us a rating out of 10. Um, 
I my mind kept on going back to the second half of last week and I look at what happened in that second half last week and how Collingwood started getting a run on. Now GWS didn't necessarily, you know, leave their open side winger out there. They moved Toby Green up the ground to almost instant effect and they moved Himmelberg down back because someone needed to combat out three forwards. But what I noticed is on the overlap and on the back and once they cleared it over the zone, particularly in the final quarter, they were off to the races and almost walking it into an open goal. And it was really frustrating because it was almost the exact same thing that happened last week against Collingwood. Mm. And because of that, I, I ended up settling on a, just a five and a half out of ten for Tiki, which is probably, you know, it's harsh and it's disappointing because I really like a lot of the things that David Tiki has done this year. But it's for me, the failure to not learn the misgivings and the mistakes from what really tore us to shreds last week, that really stuck out in my, mouth, my mind. And as disappointing as the, the, whole, the whole game was, you know, a really hard watch for most people, let alone Carlton and Giants fans. But I just really thought that Teague let himself and his players down in that last quarter by his positioning and his structural changes and differences that he didn't make. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's it's very fair. It's it's probably a fair rating because I'm only going to give him a five and it's probably stiff because if you win that game, you're giving him an eight or a nine. Um, See, yeah. And, and the end of, at the end of the day, the reason I'm giving him a five is because at the end of the day, we've only kicked one goal after quarter time and... I know you can argue, well, Teague put us in the best position to score goals because we did dominate for most of the second and third quarters. But, you know, you've got to take a step back. And at the end of the day, three-quarter time, back against the wall, you know, this is our last chance, really, to keep our season alive. And he's just been so outcoached in that last quarter. So, so blatantly, obviously... Do you think we outcoached or outplayed, though? No, it was we were we were outplayed more than we were outcoached, one hundred percent. Because at the end of the day, GWS just changed the way that they were playing. But a lot of them also has to go back on the players, though. And I'm no, sorry, no, no, I, I agree I with that. Harrington, and you know, I tweeted it out a few times. You know, to the to the players, you know, how bad do you want it? Yeah. How bad? No, like, that's okay, fair. T- that's fair. He can he can put all the plans in place, and he can show you. Show you, show you, and show the players with whiteboards and all the changes. And this is what we're going to do in the last quarter because in the last quarter, yeah, we still have to score. But the objective is just make sure they don't score. No, yeah, I know that, but players. I, but I think we could have adjusted as well in the last quarter. hundred oh, percent. And and I think it comes down a little bit to the coach. The last quarter was more the players, but still a bit of coaching involved there. It so could have I'm, been stopped. I'm going to give Tiga seven. Only because when I saw the team sheets on Wednesday night, I actually, oh, I just, I couldn't see a way into the game for Carlton. And I think the fact that it was... A, it, we were set up perfectly it was a most ma- of the game. And it was a very makeshift set up behind the ball. And the fact that we held Cameron, Finlayson, Riccardi and Himmelberg for 96% of the game... Uh, it's very hard to fault that. And I think, you know, we didn't let Whitfield off the chain, no, which we, we mentioned, which, we was, didn't. Not, which we did was massive. Um, so I, I just think from a, I just think we'll, I, I think, I think we were set up really well last night. I just think at the end of the day, it's just, it wasn't a executed well enough. And we're just not good enough. 
But yeah, I, well, that's I, what it is. We're not good enough yet. Yeah. <clears throat> Should we rate the players? Yeah, this will be interesting. This will be very interesting. So, John, I will start off with you again. Give us your top three from last night. Give them a rating out of ten, and then we'll talk about some of the other players who we haven't mentioned yet. So, the, there was a clear top two for Carlson. Um, yep. And I, because I'm not awarding anything above an eight because we didn't get the job done. Um, Walsh and Wiedering were far and away the best Carlton players on the ground. I gave Walsh a seven and Wiedering a 7.5 out of 10. I know th- there's a big feel for all Australian key position defenders this year. And I just hope that Jacob gets the recognition he deserves. Before. He's been, he's been fantastic all year. Like, I can understand Stephen May's had a good month. Darcy Moore's drifted in and out of patches of the year and has been fantastic. And Jeremy McGovern's been awesome since his comeback in. But from that first night at the MCG where he pants Tom Lynch, Wiedering has just been unbelievable. Before you do go on, I was actually thinking about it during the game last night. because there, And as you just touched on, there are so many key defenders that are, I guess, within their club in line to be an All-Australian. And Jonah didn't even name Harris can, Andrews. And you can add Ryan, you can add Jonas, you can add, you know... Maynard. Darcy Moore. Ridley. Yeah, Nick Haynes. You know, there's so many, I guess, you know, 190-centimetre-plus defenders in line. Is this... Are defenders almost being regarded higher this year because the scores are lower? So we we see guys, you know, we see you know Stephen May's run sheet or Ger- or Jacob Wiedering's run sheet that they've only conceded eight goals in fourteen weeks. But is that is it because I think Jacob Wiedering, you know, yeah, he's he's not conceding goals, but he's just so reliable by foot. Oh, I don't, he's I don't just, think he makes an error uh, with the ball in hand. He, he doesn't. He doesn't make mistakes. I'm gonna I'm gonna say now, if Jacob Wiedering is not the All Australian fullback, there has to be a royal commission into it. It will be an absolute joke if Jacob Wiedering's not in the All-Australian yeah. team. I, I can't pledge a case for anyone else ahead of him. How can he not be? At? Oh, well, we'll see what happens, but that's going to be an eventful night. Twitter's going to erupt if he's not in the All-Australian <laughs> team. Get the popcorn, Carlton. Carlton Twitter, everybody, if he is not All-Australian. Johnny, you've got Wiedering and Walsh. Who is your third best afield? This is where it's going to get interesting. My third best of field went to Tom Williamson, who I gave six and a half out of ten, who um, we, we've said it almost every week. He's just been a consistent performer as the year's gone on. Every week is becoming a bit more confident within his body and his capabilities. Would have loved to see him actually nail that goal attempt in the third quarter instead of smacking it into the middle. Oh, mm. oh. <laughs> I forgot about that. He, 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 it he resulted won. in a goal, though. I did. Yeah, it I did. did. It, it did. did. Eventually, but... It did. And that's probably why I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's one for me that is really... He's grown a lot this year. And in a couple of years, he and Doherty and Newman are going to be bouncing off the back flank and really setting us up forward. And his kicking, like, how good was his kick in the first quarter into Harry Mackay? Yeah, yeah. As in, Tom Williamson's kicking all night, I thought was unbelievable. I think, but get up what he went at. What was his What was his disposal efficiency? I thought he his vision was unbelievable. He was looking, he was just finding space, Williamson. His kicking was just 
amazing last night. I thought his his burst of his burst of speed from a stationary position as well. Yeah, like yeah. That, that's something I've noted. He gets the ball and he just goes from the back line and always looking to you know bounce off and get the ball moving forward. It's really pleasing to see. And I know you know the halfback flank is an invoke position right now, but is really taking it upon himself. So it's like I want to be the man for it for this football club and. I just hope they sign him up soon too, boys, because he's out of contracts. Yeah, and I think two score involvements as well from your back pocket's a good start. Yeah. No, Williamson was awesome. He's he's growing weekly. Weekly. You see the growth. It's unbelievable. Bolt, who was your top three? Well, so, I've obviously... I'm pretty harsh with the numbers I give. So, obviously, Walsh and Wiedering were our best two by mile. So, for the second time in season 2020, I've given out a 10. Jacob Wiedering could not... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Jacob Wiedering could not have done anything more last night. There's actually nothing more he could have done. That was the perfect game from Jacob Wiedering in isolation. He was playing on, you know, arguably the best forward in the game, the highest paid player in the game. And Jacob Wiedering himself had four score involvements. He took five marks and he went at 80% possession-wise. And his opponent, Moneybags Jeremy Cameron... Money bags did not hit the scoreboard, did not take a mark. Now, what more can Jacob Wiedering do? Absolutely not. Jacob Wiedering pulled his pants down last night. He did. The, Jack, he did. He is just awesome. And yeah, for me, I couldn't fault Jacob Wiedering. I thought Walsh was exceptional. He just runs all day. He is real. He's our best midfielder at the moment, Sam Walsh. There's no he, doubt about he's it. He's on that captain. Yeah. He's gonna. He's just an awesome, awesome player, and he just. And you saw he took six uncontested marks. He just motors around the ground. Sam Walsh. He and, covers the most distance every single week. He's just a gun. He's a gun. Sam Walsh. So he got a nine for me, and then this could have been a raffle. Um, I did have your boy Williamson on a six, but I actually thought Doherty played well. I thought Doherty actually. I thought there was a bit more of the organiser, Sam Doherty, that came out last night. You know, he went at 81%, so he was a bit more reliable. Um, You know, 12 intercept possessions, which is the hallmark of Sam Doherty's game, which is really good. So I gave him a seven, but it could have, you know, if Harry Mackay kicks straight, it's Harry Mackay. Yeah. Now, so I'm going... For mine, the top three last night was definitely Wiedering and Walsh as a top two. Now, I also give Wiedering a 10, because I just didn't... I'm not sure what he could have done more. I, I don't think there was anything he could have done that he didn't do. So I'm giving him a 10. Walsh gets a 9. I thought Walsh was just... Just, you know... It was almost monstrous from him. Because even the goal, it just comes at a perfect time. Yeah, Walsh Walsh is flying under the radar in season you 2020. Talk, you talk, you, just on Walsh, you talk about players that you feel, you know comfortable when the ball is in there. Yeah, Walsh is one of them. He, he, he's one of them. Yeah, he's that's not even a big call. He's he's probably, you'd almost feel the most comfortable. He's just so good with the footy. He's and, awesome. And, and you know where where he's come from because at the start of the year, his kicking was still a little bit all over the shop. Mm, it was. You're right. You're right, it was. I'm going to give my third best on ground. Now, I was sort of tossing up between a few. It's not going to this man, but I thought Liam Jones was fantastic last night. I know he made the one big stuff up, and that's probably the reason why he's not. How in does the top he still three. have a license to kick? But and yeah, and he had a really bad kick. But I thought he, you know, 
No, he's overall he, he was really good. Him, Liam Jones is unmatched in yeah. the air. Liam Jones, and I mean Liam Jones. You can look at the you can look at the things that Jonesy does, you know, poorly, and the little and the little errors. But what he does well far outweighs those so, little no, errors. No, exactly. And I think Liam Jones and Tom Williamson sit in the same boat where you've actually just got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, exactly. So Jones doesn't get top three, but he's worth a shout. My third best on ground was Ed Kerno. I think he's having his best season at the club, 100%. He's second in our best and fairest tally, our leaderboard. He's probably going to edge closer to first. Well, he won't, you know, he won't get into first tonight because... Weedering's been given two tens, but I mean, Ed Kerno could easily win our best and fairest this year. He's been outstanding, and last night, once again, he I thought he did his job. He probably wasn't as good as he has been in the last couple, but still, I thought he was top three on the ground for us, so he's going to get a seven out of ten. Just... This might be controversial, boys, but I cannot see... A situation where Ed Kerno finishes his career at Carlton and he hasn't won a best in Ferris. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gee. I, yeah. So, <laughs> when you said you can't see a situation where he finishes his career at Carlton, our mouths dropped, and then he snuck in that one at the end. Don't mind it, but <laughs> um, oh, oh so wow. look, I think if he is going to win it, it has to be this year. I I really hope the fullback wins it though. No, but, I hope he does as well. As in, I've got. I hope, he, I hope he does too. I don't. I don't I know if Kerno's capable. Kerno's career in totality. Look at what he's done, and how he's just whacked away almost every single week. Has been in the seniors, being you know reliable and being he's been our number one stopper in the midfield, and he wins a hell of a lot of the ball ball himself. I just cannot see. That going unrewarded for playing. No, no, no. I, I agree. I I agree with you. Um, I just don't think Ed Kerno is ever going to have. I mean, he's now. It's going to be. He's in the last five years of his career. I don't, and if he can get on the podium threes in a row. No, no. I mean, I'm just saying. And he, and he will. I'm just saying. I don't think he can play a better year than he's played this year in the remainder of his career. It's going to be tough too. If Ed yeah. Kerno, if if Ed Kerno has a season in the future that's better than this one, well, I mean, that's that's enormous, but I'm not sure if it's possible simply because of how good he's been this year. I, I, I think he's been incredibly underrated in the competition, and I think he's been, you know, he's been one of our most important players this year easily. Yeah, absolutely. Now, fellas, we have to do a bottom three. Jono, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, well, there's a big field to choose from, but we've, we've touched on it, you know, petrovsky Seedon, he just has to get his confidence back and has to get his swagger back and get back to being the Sam petrovsky Seedon that we all, you know, loved and enjoyed. So, um, unfortunately, I've given him about a 2 out of 10 because if you play the amount of game time that he did and only get five disposals, then you're not really doing much. I gave... Mitch McGovern a three out of ten. Not not a great return game for Mitch, but hopefully he builds up and gets better with the last remaining games. And unfortunately, our big big tofu's dropped off quite significantly in the last month. Um, I only gave him a four out of ten. And yeah, what what were your thoughts on his game? Casbolt. Yeah. So he, actually, so you you mentioned that he played. <laughs> you mentioned that there's a big field of players who could finish in this bottom three. 
But I think the three you've just mentioned were so clearly the bottom three, it wasn't even funny. I I was so upset and just disappointed with McGovern's match because Mitch McGovern, when he's up and firing, he's one of our most important players. I think when McGovern... You know, you look at some of the games McGovern's played this year and he's been massive. I think he was... Was it North? He was really good. Uh, was it Port Adelaide? There was a few games yeah, North where... North, he got injured. It, it was, was North before he got injured. Yeah. Before, yeah, and then um, there was one game Foot's where... Foot's great. Yeah, Bulldogs, he was really good. I, I think McGovern's an awesome player, but last night he he had zero impact on the game. Levi Kasbolt had zero impact on the game. He... That's a good tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Levi, yeah, Levi Kasbolt had zero impact on the game. And obviously, Petrovsky Seedon, he had an impact on the game, but for the wrong reasons. I, I, one hundred percent, you know, I think they were they were the clear bottom three. Jono, I think Petrovsky Seedon gets a one from me, and I don't dish them out. I haven't given a one this year, to be honest. Um, he gets a one, and I'm going to give McGovern and Casbolt twos because they didn't do enough. And we speak about the entries inside fifty. McGovern and Casbolt, they should never be outmarked in a pack. They should, no. at the very bare no, minimum, no, sure. bring the ball to ground. And there were instances last night where Haynes, Kaur, uh Keith. Keith, those three were marking it. And I'm just thinking, you've got two guys who crash and bash packs. How are they not marking or at least bringing the footy to ground? Yeah, no, I couldn't yeah, agree more. I'm on the same page as Zoot here. Petreski Seedon gets one. Casbolt gets a one. Just absolute, just, there just wasn't much happening really. And then, to be honest, we, we didn't kick any goals. So at the end of the day, Fisher and Betts didn't do much. I think they had 11 possessions between them and didn't hit the scoreboard. Um, McGovern, McGovern's in the same boat as well. The, the, the forward line group just didn't do enough really. Um, no, so the, it didn't do, it didn't do anything. It, it didn't. And I, what were your thoughts on the Ruckman? It's an interesting one. I actually thought Mumford properly beat him. I don't Same. know. I, I thought Mumford, somehow, the man who's well past his expiry date, probably beat him. I thought Pinnanet was beaten. I don't know. I, don't I know. still cannot believe De Koning was omitted from uh, that yeah, team. It's, it's, I can understand the physical aspect of it, but come on. As in, the reason it was done was because... You know, Mumford is your old-fashioned style ruckman, and so is Pitternet. So they're the perfect match, and Mumford's not going to, you know, be outrunning Pitternet. But it almost looked like he did last night. He was getting to he was getting to places Pitternet. earlier than Pitternet. Pitternet actually gave me a headache. He, he, he made he made Mumford look about you know thirty last night, which is not good. Having said that, if Pitternet goes back and nails that goal, oh for sure, in the third quarter it changes the whole game. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's really interesting. Um, one player we haven't spoken about who I want to touch on, Matty Cottrell. Jono, what were your thoughts yeah. on his performance last night? I actually, actually thought he was good when he got the ball, but he probably doesn't get enough of it, does he? He was okay. Like I, I liked him in. I like him in the team, and I like him because we just need someone who can run all day up and back and up and back. And, okay, yeah, his disposal at the moment's a bit of an issue, but that can obviously be worked on. I didn't mind his game, but, again, if you're going to play on the wing, we want you getting somewhere between, you know, 12 to 15 disposals a game, and he just didn't do that. So it was okay, but it wasn't 
enough for me. I still want to see him in the side for the remainder of the year going forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 Cottrell's a tough one. I, I, I'm not... I don't really have an opinion on him, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? I don't really mind if yeah. he's playing. I don't mind if he's not. See, I think if he gets... If, he, if he's able to get his hands on the ball more than he has been... I'm going to be more of a fan of him, but I still, I still really like him. I, I like his grit. I like his competitiveness. I think he's got the right mindset. He's got footy. He's got footy IQ, but I don't think he's getting enough of the footy yet. And that's probably the only concern. I mean, he didn't touch it in that last quarter. No, no. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings. I, I have no doubt he's going to play games next year. And probably going forward. See, for me, I can never see. I, mean, this I don't think I, he's going to start in our yeah, 22. Yeah, yeah, I can he's... never see. I can. I, I just think Cottrell's going to be one of those players, and I don't want to sound, you know, negative here, but I just think he's always going to be one of those guys that kind of sits on the fringes a bit. He probably will. He probably will. But you yeah, also he can be one of those guys as to something like what a Gander McIntosh is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, see, that's who I was thinking. Yeah, I, he could just. Role. He could just as easily be a role player in the team. Like, he could easily cement his spot and become a role player. Exactly. It's going to be... He's never going to be a superstar. I'll put it this way. He's one of those guys. He could play 22 games one year and six the next. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Well, yeah. That's uh, that's probably the perfect way to describe it. What do you guys reckon of Cam Paulson's game? Oh, yeah. I'm keen to talk about Paulson. Well, you go first. I'm keen to talk about Paulson. You've been eager. So, Paulson, let's just put this on the table. Paulson can't defend. But I think Paulson, with ball in hand, I can't believe I'm saying this, is a bit of a weapon. Uh, You're saying uh, coming out of the back half, I you think, don't mind I think, I think Paulson can kick. He, yeah. I, I think Paulson's not... I think he's a nice distributor. And I think once he gets comfortable at the level, so he'll, he'll play next week, Paulson, in my opinion... I'd be playing yeah, him. Yeah. If he can finish the the year with four or five games under his belt, I think he's going to be more comfortable with you know knowing his limits, knowing what he needs to do coming out of half. But I don't think he can defend because you know two well, weeks who, in a row. Who did he play on last night? There was a bit of Bobby Hill, and he had Josh Thomas the week before, so he's not going great the other way. But I think once we get a bit more cover with Newman and Plowman coming back into that back six, I think you can almost exploit Paulson to take. You know, Paulson he, he could Petres- almost play that role that Simpson played really well for years, where he doesn't yeah. play on anyone. Yeah, he's, yeah, just yeah. Got, he's just that you know that slingshot player. I think if Newman was he's playing, so- he is quick. He, yeah. Oh no, his dash is he's he's dashy. He's dashy. I, I, I can see a player in Paulson going one way. I can. I, he's probably he's going to kill us going the other way at the moment. But I think going forward... Can, can you afford to play him on the wing or is he too one? Is he, I'm not is he sure. too much of a one-way runner? I'm not sure, but we can't afford to play him and Petrescu Seaton in the same team. No, no. It's one or the other. And, and as crazy and ridiculous as this sounds, I think it's Paulson at the moment. Oh, for, next, for, for next week, it probably should be. I just think Paulson, he, he, takes on, he takes on these kicks that are just so audacious. But, but he, pulls them oh, off. I know, I know. He, he, he's... He, he, He's a bit mystifying because there were moments last night where I was like, just get him off. And then there were moments like, well done. I didn't see that coming. He's one of the guys and we're, we're about to get onto this. We've got a couple more topics to go. But he's one of the guys that I just want to see in for the remainder of the years. There's three games to go. 
we're going to start, you know, really rotating our squad now with, enough, with a couple more short turnarounds. He should be fresh because he, he's hardly played this year. Let's see what he can do. So give him the continuity of about four or five games in a row and just see what we can do and see if there's going to be a player there moving forward. It's only his second game in the big leagues in his new role. I'm keen to let this one ride out for the rest of the year and see what he can do. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, I want to touch on a tweet coming from Nick Negropontis. Nick tweeted what he would do in terms of team selection for next week. He said he'd bring in DeConing for Pitonet. He'd bring in yep. O'Brien for Nunes. Now, I'd only have to assume he means giving Nunes a rest because Jack Nunes is nowhere near being dropped. He's playing good footy at the moment. I thought he was great last night, Nunesy. Oh, I didn't see did did him after half time. Did he play on Whitfield last night? I, I didn't I, see I, him. I, I think he did in patches, but I just think his defensive work last night was very good. We saw him... That rundown tackle on Adam Kennedy. Oh, how good was that? Jack Nunes last night, defensively, was very important. And he is... I look at this team last night, his intensity was actually astonishing. And his work off the ball is outstanding. So Jack Nunes, if I understand Nick saying he's out, I'm assuming it would be to be managing him, not dropping him. Nick wants... O'Brien to come in for Nunes. He wants Owies. We need to see O'Brien before he, the year's out. We do. He wants Owies to come in for Betts, who gets a rest as well. I can I, handle that. I want to see Owies as well. I, I think Owies, he's king goals every week in the scrap matches. Bring him in. Give him a chance. He wants Matt Kennedy in for Dow. Cunningham. I can handle that. Cunningham in for Casbols. Uh, and then he said, Philp and Honey in for Cripps, who has a rest. Give Cripps a rest and Paulson. So... Probably mm. stiff. It's stiff on if I mean, look, it's stiff on Nunes and Paulson to be dropping them, but I'm assuming he probably means to manage Nunes. And I mean, yeah, I, I guess Carlton supporters will be divided with Cam Paulson. Some will probably like his game, some probably won't, but it'll, it'll, I, you know, I, I, it'll I, split Cam Paulson's supporters. game on a, on, a, on a night where not many, you know, ticks and big ticks were handed out amongst the Carlton perspective on, like, who gets a pass mark for the game. Paulson, for me, definitely gets a tick, and I'd like to see him maintain his spot. I'd love to see Cunningham come back in. So, Jono, Jono, why don't you tell us your what you would do for next week? What would your team changes be? It, well, Plowman and Gibbons, I'm assuming, are going to come back in. Yep. Yep, Plowman um, and Gibbons in. So, I want... Bet, Betts is having a rest... Pitonet goes out for DeConning. Casbolt goes out to have a bit of a rest. So Plowman's taking Casbolt's role and Gibbons is taking Betts. Is that are those the are those the straight swaps or is there more? There, there's a couple more, but I just can't work out exactly what it's going to be. But those are those are the big ones, and I think Nick nailed most of them in terms of the fact that we we're going to have to have a look at these guys now, see what we can offer. So. Watching with great interest on Monday night to see how the teams land. Yeah, definitely. Now, my changes that I would do, Plowman would come straight in for petrevsky Seden. And Plowman will play on Papley. Yep, just just showing the ropes around the club before he comes <laughs> next year. Yeah. By the way, what did you guys think of Zach Williams' well, audition last night? I, I, we actually kicked it to him thinking he was already our teammate a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, he didn't do a heap, Zach Williams, but... You know, he. I think it was very nice of him. Didn't want to up his value too yeah, much. Yeah, that's fair. Good on him. Good that's on the great man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my changes for next week. Plowman straight in for Petrevsky-Seaton. Now, I would be bringing in 
to Koning for Pitonet. Gibbons comes in. The one who probably goes out for Gibbons is Dow. I'm not sure you can drop anyone else before Dow. If they want to keep Dow in, because, you know, three games left, give him a run against, you know, Sydney and Adelaide, who are probably going to be more kind to him than Collingwood and GWS. You can keep him in and take Eddie out for a rest. I'd bring Matt Kennedy and Cunningham back in before I'm giving games to O'Brien and Philp. I think Kennedy and Cunningham actually also have a case. You know, they need to make a case for themselves as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know who goes out. I suspect there's going to be a lot of players being rested because we've probably played the least amount of players this year out of most of the clubs. Yep. So you're yep. going to see a lot of players being rested. We've and, played 34 out of 46. Yeah, so it's not many, and there's a lot of youngsters. I, like, look, we have to see O'Brien before the end of the year, and we also have to... We almost have to see Oes as well. I think Oes is a big one. They've got to reward him eventually, and Teague was close to playing him last year. I want to see him, even if it's just, you know, once a one-off game. Just show, show him to us, because our small forwards right now... I mean, they're not doing a heap without him anyway. So you may as well give him a crack. Yeah. But what would your team changes be for All next right, week? Well, I'm, I'm not going to do ch- changes on the back of Rick. Because, like, you know, whoever... If we are going to manage people, that's a lottery. So yeah. that aside, I think you have to play Kaz Bolt against an undersized Sydney yeah. backline. Yeah. I think we just got to stretch him down. As in, back. I wouldn't be dropping Kaz Bolt no, anyway. I, no. As in, I, I want Robbie Fox to go straight to Kaz Bolt next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, Petrescu Seaton has to be the one that makes way for Plowman. Um, does Gibbons come straight back in? Like yeah, his, yeah. His, his form wasn't great. Played amazingly against the Gold Coast. Yeah, no, you're right, he did. Um, so Gibbons straight back in. I think, straight in. I think it's Gibbons for Dow on that. On that. Um, look, I'm not even... Look, he might, be, he might be rested, but he could easily make a case just to be dropped anyway for David Cunningham, Eddie Betts. But I don't know if that change is going to happen. So what? And I've got, and I think Deconing will come in for Pitonet, and I think, and Kennedy. I'd love to get Kennedy in there, and I actually think it might be Kennedy for Cottrell. It well, could Kennedy's even be Kennedy for, for Cripps. Say that again. Kennedy's playing off for a contract. He's yeah, he's out of contract, and he'd be desperate to get back in. Yeah, he would be. I, I'd like to see Kennedy back in the team. To be honest, yeah, I, think, I actually think Kennedy's all right. Yeah, he's all right. Um, yeah, it's going to be... What are we doing with Cripps? Are we giving... Well, I was going to say, or... Kennedy may just come in as a straight swap for Cripps, if Cripps needs a rest. But, yeah. I mean, look, these you got to remember as well, we've now got Sydney and Adelaide. It's very important to win these games. It's the, the, very, very important... Just to keep the, f- the fan base on side. Not even the fa- The winning mentality. You need a... Will- yeah. and, and if we can win two of our last three going into season 2021... That's very important, in my opinion. Yeah. It, these these last three games are almost as important, if not more important, than the last two against the Giants and Collingwood. Because, okay, yeah, we're probably right now on the ladder where I thought we'd be sitting. You know, you're not going to, unless you have a very, very good year, you're not going to jump two weight classes up yep. into, you know, finals contention, especially when you run when you run third last the year before, you're not gonna go from sixteenth into the top eight. So we're about where I thought we were, you know, in that bracket of eleventh to thirteenth, and you know, we've gone up a weight class. And you know, if you would have told me in January that 
we'd be four weeks before the end of the season, we'd still be competing for a spot in the lower half of the eight, you'd take that and run 100% considering after the last few years. Yeah, yeah, you would. So I, I think we're okay where we're at, but, and we'll come to it and speak about it at a later date, but it now becomes a matter of this is what we've done, this is what we've shown that we can do, it's go time now, boys. Let's really kick on, use this year as saying, okay, we were good enough in patches and we know that if we were good enough, we could have been playing finals football this year. Let's use that to really move on and surge next year. And I, and I think we saw last year how important that St Kilda win at the MCG was because otherwise we would have lost the last four games of the year. So I just think... You know, getting that you know win just it's it's lifting. That St Kilda win was lifting. No, I'm so, I'm telling yeah, you that yeah. these we, we, two we games against Adelaide and Sydney have to be wins. They have to they have to still keep the belief. They just have to have to find a way to win. Yeah, yeah, right. that's it. That's the biggest thing. That is the most important thing. Yeah, it is 100. percent Jono, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Definitely not the easiest episode to do. It never is after a loss, but particularly. Last night's match, we really appreciate you taking the time out to come on the show and look forward to chatting to you again very soon. Cheers, Jono. No worries, boys. Always happy to chat. Jono Baruch, they're a avid blue bagger and very knowledgeable when yep. it comes to the game. And I thought he provided some really good insight there. No, he's good. And we've got a bit to do with him as well. So yeah. we do speak regularly with Jono. So. Yeah. Definitely an avid blue bag. And now, Bolt, the Twitter questions have come flying in. We didn't do them after last week's game just because thought we'd give it one week off considering we were playing two games in four days. But we're back. But we're back. We are back. We've had a heap of questions. The first one coming in from John Ryan. Why are we the only club who can't defend a fourth quarter lead, having no one in our defense of 50 twice, leading to two goals and losing the game in a year which is bolstered by crazy defensive setups? Is that... Bad coaching, and can we blame that for this loss? Um, I, get- I, I think it comes down to the point we keep making. We commit far too many numbers ahead oh. of the ball. And, and the one goal that GWS kicked out the back was because we had four of our defenders go to bore, which was a four-on-one, which we ended oh, up losing, that led I, to the goal. Yes, You yes. had four defenders going for the same up. ball, yeah, and they yeah, all yeah. went up, and two of them went to ground. I think it was Jones and Williamson went yep, to ground. it was. It was. petrovsky Seaton was... You know, just just, just course ball watching, yeah. So, yeah, that's not on the coach because the coach would never tell the players to do that. No, that's on the players, John. And you know what? Probably is one of the reasons why we lost. Mm. Just in essence, though, committing far we too just, many numbers we, in front uh, of the ball. Well, yeah, no, we did. The next one coming in from Chris he says that was like a slow motion car crash <laughs> yeah, it was see, though you could see it happening but felt powerless to stop it I feel like when Teague first came in we played on instinct and enjoyment and it worked it feels to me like we're being overcoached again and we're afraid of making mistakes yeah um, well look, they make a lot of mistakes if they're afraid of making mistakes <laughs> at three quarter time you just knew that you knew GWS were going to come at some point. It was just a matter of how we responded to that onslaught. And the fact, it just, it really does my head in that it happened so quickly. Mm. But um, I think oh, it was, because if we kick the first goal, we're four goals up in a low scoring game. Mm. It's just so frustrating. It really is. 
Ted Sussex says, What is going on with development? Dow, SPS, Cunningham look uninterested or just go missing on the field and O'Brien can't get a game for same reason. Um, oh, the word disinterested is always a really tough one to judge because we don't know. It's well, just, so I think it's stiff on Cunningham. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Cunningham was playing okay in the side. Cunningham was injured. playing well. Yeah, but I think Dow and Sam Petreski seed are the two that are going to get mentioned here. Um, look, I don't know if it's disinterested. They're just not good enough at the moment. It's as simple no, as not. that. They're just not good enough. Elan Morton says, four quarters, when and how well. I mean... Yeah, we haven't we haven't really put in a four quarter effort other than the Gold Coast and mm. the Bulldogs game. Yep, probably the. That's about it, really. Yeah. They were yeah. the the two games where we just ran over the top of the opposition from the start to the yeah. end. But um, oh, I don't even know what to say. It's just it's it's and I, I don't expect them to be on top for the entirety of the game. It's just once again, we just have to be able to and we and it happened last year you know with Teague as well in the back half of the year we just have to be able to almost weather these storms and just hold up mm. yeah we do Jeremy Cruz says are there positional shakeups that would help us do better setters to the halfback Martin to the middle SPS to the forward line there must be a better way of dealing with flooded forward line than bombing it in long as a coach suggests now just quickly yeah Firstly, we're not moving Setterfield. No, I was going to say, Setterfield has to be playing in the guts. Probably the change I'd make. I would put Martin in the middle. Um, maybe you can put... I, mean, I don't know. I don't know where SPS goes. I don't know. Uh, yeah. SPS could... You know, he could go to the forward line. Could see him move to the flank. It would be nice to see what he's capable of doing there. But I think at this stage with petrovsky Seden, the best thing for him would actually be to go play a couple scrap matches, get his hands on the ball, firstly, just build his own confidence, because right now his confidence would be at an all-time low, Yep. and he can't get the ball. So send him back, help him get his hands on the ball, and then you can maybe bring him in and trial him you know, in a new position or in the midfield. Yep, no, I agree with that. Um, and, I, and, I, and I like Martin on the ball as well. Yeah, same. So it's a good call by Jeremy. Jim Fiddler says, What is the situation with McGovern? Was Teague out-coached again? And why is H still such a poor kick for goal? Well, McGovern, you're going to get those games with McGovern, I feel like. And he had a shot. He just has to take his chances and kick yeah. and hit the scoreboard. And he didn't last night when he had his chance. Teague out-coached? Um, no, he wasn't out-coached because I think he was probably the better coach until three-quarter yep. time. And I'll put it this way. If Leon Cameron loses that game with the difference in lists that were on the field last night, embarrassing. Yeah. So I, I think I think at the end of the day, Leon Cameron didn't outcoach him in the last quarter. I think the the players outplayed our players. They they played on instinct. He did shuffle he did shuffle players around, but I don't think you can say Teague was like outcoached. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one though. Brenton Patterson is having three tall forwards limiting our ability to be unpredictable and impacting the coach's ability to make meaningful in-game changes. To our forward line, that was the first part. And then we have creative smalls too, but they also seem limited with what they can do. I think I agree. Our forward line does look slightly limited at the moment. Yeah, but that is... But our forward line is good. Our forward line on paper should be scoring more than they are. Oh, they definitely should. They're not playing anywhere near where they should be. But I think the three talls has given us that point of difference all year. And they've been really steadfast in playing the three talls. So I don't mind them doing it. I, and I get, I get what he's saying where it limits our ability to be unpredictable. Mm. But um, 
I still think, you know, if we can get that in, we still look really predictable if it does, unpredictable when it does come to ground, if you've got Fisher and Betts and Gibbons buzzing about. So, I know, I still think the forward line's still got an element of unpredictability. Um, so, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with where the forward line structure sits in terms of talls versus smalls. But, um, yeah, it is, it's, look... When Charlie Kerner comes in, it's definitely going to be very interesting. And, you know, the whole deconing scenario with him... Because he can yeah. obviously be, be a target up forward yeah. as well. So, it, I think there's enough to work with there in the forward half of the ground. Absolutely. Will Cuxon says, What are we doing wrong? Aside from coughing up leads, we've pushed some of the best teams for large parts of those games, but we run out of steam far too easily. Some observations as well... I'd have been stoked at the start of the season with where we're placed now, but it's frustrating to let, to let so many games slip. Yep. It's a good point. Petrovsky Cedar needs to play midfield. Harry needs to work on goal king, and I think there's too much pressure on Dow, who needs more time to develop. So, yeah, I think Harry 100% needs to work on his goal kicking. SPS, yeah, I mean, we've spoken a lot about him. We'll leave that one for now, and... Yeah, there probably is too much pressure on Dow, but at the end of the day, As in, it's warranted, but, isn't it? But it? There is, and I, and I said it last night on Twitter. Like, why are these high draft picks like immune from such criticism? Like, no, they should be. Else? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, we have pushed some of the best teams. You know, Port Adelaide, West Coast, Collingwood for last for large parts of the game. But uh, hold on, I Polson and Petrescu seed are from the same draft. Just because one went and picked six and one went and picked sixty six doesn't mean, you know, one should be, you know, blanketed. Yeah, I mean, when you enter the system, you enter it, you know, your draft pick goes out the window. I know. You enter it as an 18-year-old. You don't enter it as the pick three yep. or whatever Petrovsky season was. Six, Six. yeah. Uh, Eric Sultan, we've kicked one goal from our last 42 inside 50s. Eric, yeah, we know, and it's, it's, it's embarrassing, really. Yeah. It is embarrassing. Ben at SCT says, which midfielders slash wingers do we need to target to add to to our two-way running to our list they don't have to be stars we just need at least to make a contest instead of letting the opposition midfielders transition from their back 50 without breaking a sweat so Zach Williams is one who's been you know heavily targeted and there's been a lot of talk about coming to Carlton yep other wingers who we could potentially go for Bolt um oh it's a tough one in terms of, you know, those that are, I guess, really realistic. You know, I know we've spoken about, you know, the GWS boy Caldwell, potentially. Yeah. But um, I think he's looking like St. Kilda at the moment. I don't know. It's it's a tough one. I think that's something... I think Williams is the one. You're just going to put all your eggs into that basket. Yeah, absolutely. Nick Webb says, Serious, seriously, questions have to be asked about the mentality of this group. The opposition kicks a couple in a row and we fold. I think it's just more the goals come in a flurry because we're set up really poorly and get exposed, and then we're at where we don't react in time. It takes us too long to to stop the flow, mm. uh, so that's probably why it's happening. Wilson, he says, we've played at a high intensity all year, and now I think we may be cooked. Thoughts? Yeah, oh, they did look cooked last night early on. They yeah. did. Yeah, they and did. it's fair. I mean, four day break, they look tired. Uh, Arthur O'Brien says 2021 forward line has to be Charlie Harry and TDK with McGovern and Fisher etc surely T gives to Conning a run at it for the remaining games and yeah I think we'd have to agree got to get to Conning back in the team you've got to get him in Brody Patterson says do we have any sort of game plan for when a side gets a run on 
when they possess the ball. Numbers around the pill to congest it or just to concede goal after goal. Now, I've been on it for a while and I've said, you know, like, we we are not good when the other team gets a run on. And I think it's because we, whenever we get the ball, we get sucked into that play where you just have to blaze away. Yeah. There were times last night in that fourth quarter, GWS had all the run and we got sucked in and every time we got the ball was that quick movement, just get it going, get it going. I think we just need to relax. Yeah. Hold the footy for two minutes, chip it around just to take the fizz out of the game. We get sucked in far too easily. GWS get it on the rebound and the goals keep coming. We have to stop, you know, we have to stop the play. When you get the ball and you've conceded a couple of very quick goals... Just hold on to it. Maintain possession. Yep. And oh, we just need our leaders to stand up in those times. We do. We do. Well, Mitch says, seeing the skip and a few of the boys cracking a smile and having a laugh at full-time hurts. It's time this football club made some tough calls. Eddie, Levi and Simo need to be sat down at season's end and a fair few of the others need to be up for trade. Time to be ruthless. I, look, it's, it's very tough. I personally would not be uh, retiring any of Eddie, Levi and Simo personally. But, you know, I can understand why people would have that mindset. Mm. Tim's Trading said, I tweeted two weeks ago after the Suns game, and we know, and we will know in two weeks where our club sits. Well, it's not great. We're mentally brittle and don't want it badly enough. Our efficiency is poor week after week, and we accept inconsistency. Sadly, we are not a 6-10 to 10 ranked team and need to be. Yeah. We're about 11th to 13th at the moment. Yeah, well, Tim summed it up pretty well. Yeah, he did. He did. It's fair. Well, Blue Baggers... A tough, tough night at the office, and that one's going to sting because that will that that, oh, that was that, that will was sting. hard. Yeah, but we come back be- bigger and better after that. Our next two games are very important; they're must-win games. Blue baggers, thank you so much for tuning to this week's show. Be sure to tune into our mid-season list analysis with Jason Scandizzo. He was a talent ID officer at the Northern Blues, so he knows a fair bit about some of the younger players on our list that we may not have seen a lot of yet. So make sure to listen into our mid-season list analysis episode and keep your head up. It's just a game of footy. We'll be back. We take on the Swans on Tuesday night yep. and the Crows following that. So two very winnable games. Blue Baggers, enjoy your weekend. And go Blues. against the famous old Dark Blue.